0: Like people figured out pretty early on that cleaning things made you not get sick. This this will be better worded. (laughs) We'll write this better.
1: But that's not at all true.
0: Well, no, actually, that's not.
1: Oh shit! (laughs) No, she's gone (laughs) again. So mad.
2: (laughs) She just fucked up. This is the right out of the.
0: That sage is real powerful today. We, we
2: probably eat today.
1: <laughs> Have you seen the TikTok video? Uh, oh god, she's back! The TikTok video of the person like watching their 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 uh their door camera and being like oh like that sage is really strong and like their mother-in-law or somebody's coming to visit and can't make it up their stairs and falls over and they're like I knew that sage was good stuff it was really funny
2: (laughs) welcome back Josie um I
1: got
0: overexcited and left the meeting
2: you you did yourself
0: I was explaining and I was like waving my hands around and I bumped the mouse which caused me to leave the meeting This is going to be great. This is going to be a fine episode. Keep on top is not the same as leave meeting. No, it's not. What were you saying? I don't even remember. Ah, fire. People thought that it was fire that made everything
1: pure and clean. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting. Okay, let's do that. And that's why we burned everybody at the stake. Because it's definitely, definitely people didn't know about washing. Mm. Because that's why... I thought this was really interesting. I was teaching a class on the history of medicine. And uh, during the Black Plague, one of the reasons that anti Semitism was so popular is because, or so common, is because Jewish people were getting the plague at much lower rates than other populations, than Christian populations. And people were convinced it was because the Jews were evil and horrible. But like, really, Judaism has a tradition of ritual washing. So they were clean, cleaner. Blackwash isn't, yeah. yeah. And so I yeah. thought that was always like really interesting, like oh shit, what a horrible consequence it. of being clean.
3: I'm gonna add on top of that that it's it's a Western not knowing because Hinduism has it written in the scriptures that are thousands of years old, yeah. telling you to be clean and giving directions on how to use soap, what kind of soap, hmm. and that sandalwood soap is extra special and so on and so forth. So. They knew to be clean. However, as you rightly pointed out, large parts of Old Western society had no clue, and they were gross.
0: Okay, we're good to go? Hail and welcome to Circle Talk. This is a podcast for seekers, initiates, and the curious by four Alexandrian witches with endless different opinions. We
3: are your hosts. Hi, I'm James, a high priest and coven leader from just outside New Orleans, Louisiana.
2: Hi, I'm Peter, a high priest and coven leader from South Wales.
1: Hi, I'm G, a high priestess and coven leader from the New England area of the US.
0: And I'm Josie, a high priestess and coven leader near Melbourne, Australia. And we are a podcast where we talk about Alexandrian witchcraft and explore differing opinions on how the Alexandrian tradition is practiced in various covens around the globe. Listeners are reminded that while we are all initiates of the Alexandrian tradition, we only speak for ourselves and not for the tradition as a whole, which is an impossible thing to do, as you should well know by now. This is episode 23. You might like to take a moment to pause this and go back to listen to our introductory episodes, episode 0, which is introductions, and episode 1, definitions, or check them out after you enjoy this one. This year, for our Sabbath specials, we're going to explore a branch of magic that can be associated for that Sabbath. We know it's not always going to be a perfect fit, but this gives us the opportunity to discuss and explore different magical practices and to think more deeply about how our magic ties into what's going on in the world around us. So for Candlemas or Imolk and Lammas here in the Southern Hemisphere, we've decided to focus on purification. So here in the Western world, people were quite... (laughs) Peter, stop screaming! It's in the
2: (laughs) the notes. I'm sorry, I'll stop,
0: I'll stop. So the Western world was among the last to catch on to this idea that washing actually equals clean and good and healthy. Instead, often fire was used to purify. This is not something we recommend, especially in Australia where things are very, very flammable. So today we're going to talk about what we mean by purification about what the different methods and practices are for achieving this aim, why we're linking it with these sabbats and other magics and practices for around this time. So high fives, get on the broom and let's go, witches.
1: As um, the author of a book on fire magic, (laughs) the idea behind birthday candles, where does that come into play since it's somebody's birthday today as we're recording?
0: So the idea of birthday candles Um, There's a nice story that it's linked to like Artemis and the moon and like ancient cakes being um, lit up um, for the moon. Um, We don't think that's true. It's a nice story. The idea of a cake for a birthday with candles on it is um, German in Origins, we think. Um, They're the earliest written references we can see. Which makes sense, Germans and cake, they do a lot of good cakes in Germany. Can
1: That's confirm. true. Okay. Very true. Can
2: Thanks. confirm.
1: Can confirm.
2: I think as well, just linking back to the attention gainer, I think the idea of where um, fire equals purification came from, I imagine that it started in Europe, and I'm almost certain that we've mentioned this, oh, hey, Kitty, that we've mentioned this in, the past, in past podcasts about the major fire festivals, are also purification festivals, where Europeans would drive their cattle between two kölkärth, or two bonfires, in order to purify them, and to bring purification to the land, the people, the crops. So uh, yeah, I I just think it probably originates somewhere in Europe.
0: Oh for sure, and I mean, sorry.
2: No, no, I was just gonna say the whole idea of purification, with fire. Hmm.
0: And this whole idea of, like, burning the dead plaguey bodies will get rid of the plague around you and you, you're less likely to get sick, that's probably universal as mm. well. Um, That probably came along long before, like, washing and hygiene.
2: Mm. I mean, if, if I lived in Australia, down downside, I would be burning the house down if I saw any of those massive spiders or alligators, or crocodiles. I still don't know which one is which.
1: I think also this idea of, like, wasn't the idea of burning witches, which I think is actually something that happens slightly less often than we think it happened. I think there were other methods that were preferable. Um, Also had that idea that, like, you were purifying their soul, right? Like, the the method was, Mm. because it was meant to, like, purify them in some way, I think was part of that
2: yeah i'm yeah. sure i went i went to a zoom talk by um, ronald hudson once and he mentioned about this whole like you know the idea of burning witches it wasn't as widespread as people think it is but also when you when you burn bodies when you burn people you have the burning of the fat from people as well which would have coated like the houses the streets and it wasn't necessarily that Widespread of a practice, apparently.
0: Yeah, it seems a very labour-intensive way to execute someone. If you want to be really practical about it, we're only a few minutes in, but we're we're here.
2: (laughs) This is where we are, guys. (laughs) This
0: is where we are. (laughs) All right.
2: (laughs) I mean, I mean, we can dunk them, and if and if they float, then they're definitely witches. And if they drown, they're not. So you know, that's another way of getting rid of the witches, apart from burning them.
0: Yeah, I should also mention at this point, and I think it's already come up in this podcast, but this whole idea of the burning times as a, um like a holocaust of witches is, it's a, uh, like, it's a mythology. It's a narrative. A lot of the people who were burned as witches would not have identified as witches. The number of 9 million is just not true. There weren't that many people in Europe at the time. I could do another whole podcast on this.
2: Anyway. I think you should. <laughs> I think you should.
0: Uh, I'd be happy to. I'm very ranty about this. But <laughs> what we're going to talk about is purification and what we mean by it. So what even are we purifying when we're pu- doing purification?
3: So several years ago, I had an old conjure woman in the South who practiced root work or hoodoo kind of impromptu give me a lesson slash lecture on her ideas of purification and I like her analogy and it's when you go outside if you play in the mud you're going to get mud on you but even if you're not playing in the mud just walking around outside you're going to get dirty so you got to get it off of you and that's essentially what we're doing you're just getting the spiritual gunk off
2: yeah it links to the um to the idea of greek miasma as well doesn't it where I know a lot of I'm, I'm pretty sure it's greek a Greek practice where you would take water, you would burn a bay leaf, drop it into the water, then dunk your hands into it and then visualize all of that energy, all of that gunk being washed off. You use the same water then to wash your face. But yeah, I think it links to the um, the idea of miasma.
1: Yeah, miasma is a really interesting idea that gets talked about quite a bit. People often, I think, misunderstand it because miasma is in Hellenic um, practices and Reconstructionist practices really associated not sort of with your day-to-day grossness um, that I think about when I'm like desperate to take a shower at the end of every day, but with very specific um, anathema practices, like if you had touched a dead body, if you had been involved in you know, perhaps like ritual slaughter of some kind. So like there were really specific things that allowed you to, ac- that in which you would acquire miasma, but they didn't have this sense of like, if you had to go to the public bath houses and if you thought about that too much, you might feel like you were covered in miasma, which is how I think I would feel if I had been in a public bathhouse. Of course, that's real, my apologize, but you take the point, you know? So this idea of like, Miasma is very specific to things that make you not your physical being unclean, like your energetic or your spiritual being unclean.
2: I didn't realize that there was a, a distinction. So thank you for filling those gaps.
1: And I mean, I'll be specific, like in Hellenic, which doesn't mean that anybody has to follow that idea, of course. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah.
0: I was reminded also of what James said several episodes ago about witches starting from zero at all times as well this is an idea that i have stolen one of many that i have stolen from james and um now on to my coven about at regular intervals and they're getting really sick of hearing it so thank you james
3: yeah so i was getting ready to just bring that up it doesn't just apply to the circle it applies to yourself and also where you live you know um your bed don't climb into your own filth Clean it, change your sheets, so on and so forth. But not just in the physical sense, in the other planes of existence as well. Purify.
0: Clean your spiritual bed, change your spiritual sheets. You want the spiritual feeling of having a shower and hopping into a bed with very fresh, clean sheets on a
2: cold night.
1: Mm. Mm.
2: Really starchy, like crisp sheets as well.
1: It's such a good feeling. I would love to do a survey Venn diagram of like morning witches and where we fall in the morning to nighttime shower spectrum, because I do feel, um, I don't know how many people, certainly more in the, in the Northeast United States are familiar with Lori Bruno, but Lori Bruno, when I was back in college came to speak to our pagan club one time and she was like, you know, you shower at night to get rid of all the like shit that's all over you. And I was like, I do, I have always been a nighttime shower and I can't sleep without it. And she had just articulated why, because I do feel like I acquire so much gunk physically, ew, like if I'm riding public transportation or whatever, but like mentally, spiritually, being around other people as well, that you feel like there's just like a lot of stuff and taking a shower is a huge part of my getting to bed and being able to like disconnect enough to sleep and relax because I feel like you're you're cleansing yourself of a lot of normal day stuff. And the same reason we cleanse before ritual to get rid of a lot of that stuff that we're not carrying it into circle with us
0: so for what purposes do we purify we've talked about like physical cleansing we've talked about spiritual cleansing are there any other reasons what about preparation
2: yeah G just touched upon it and we do similar practices in our coven we will always try to uh bathe or shower before we step into the circle normally we do that at at the house of whoever's hosting but if time is of the essence then people can shower and bathe whatnot in their own homes and then travel to um to ritual to circle but yeah we always physically purify our bodies before we go into circle
1: as a stand-in I often tell my students um because we don't all take a shower at Covenstead or at wherever we're going for a ritual. Make sure that you go step in and like wash your hands with soap and water, at least before ritual. Really good. I've got some people who carry toothbrush and toothpaste and brush their teeth before ritual. Just like something, whatever it is that makes you feel clean so that you're going into ritual, starting at that concept of zero. But for me also this idea that like, if you're approaching deity, you want to approach deity from, you know, a position of just feeling like, if you're going somewhere nice, you know, and you you take a shower and you and like you clean so that you're nice when you get there, those kinds of things.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's also similar to you prepare the ritual space, you Hoover, you declutter as well. You know, you wouldn't invite the queen or the king into a dirty home. You're definitely not going to invite gods into an, an orderly home as well. At least that's how I feel. So we we always purify the temple area physically as well. We'll. Declutter. We'll Hoover. We'll move things around. We'll make sure everything is set. So that's part for us. That's part of the preparation as well. You have a shower. You have a bath or a shower. Hoover. Clean. Declutter. Make sure everything
1: is nice and spick and span. Launder your doilies.
2: <laughs> Launder your doilies. Yeah. Wash Excuse your loincloths. You, you would dry clean your doilies, surely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess it depends on what you've knitted them by hand out of.
2: Hey, in a time of rising energy bills, you would wash them all together after a number of circles, <laughs> just to keep the costs down.
3: It's also your your materials that you're going to use. You know, you might not know where things have been before you go using them or what they've rubbed up against. And so that's part of purification as well. You know, I, I know we generally use the word cleansing, but that's that's all part of it. So I teach a whole series on spiritual hygiene of the self, and it includes things like baths, leaving your shoes at the door, or so on and so forth. And it's all about keeping yourself not just physically clean, but cleansed um, and renewing it.
0: I think... It's important to point out as well this whole idea of purification and especially if we're talking about consecration which um sometimes when we're purifying a space, we, we use that language. This is the idea of making something sacred. And, and if you had secondhand tools, if you bought things from a, a secondhand shop, you would have to make them sacred. Sacred, it's worth pointing out, has its roots in a Latin word that has to do with setting things aside. So when you're making something sacred, you, you really are setting it aside for a specific, and
1: in this case, ritual use.
0: Are there any other reasons that we would use purification?
1: So sometimes we cleanse and purify when we take things over from someone else. So sometimes we like renew things if we're gifted tools, inherit tools or whatever. Uh, Sometimes we do little spells of renewal there. We, at certain points in the calendar year, if we make, so I've spoken before about how we renew our oaths to each other. Like we do some it makes sense to do extra purification before that process of renewal because you want to come into it with a fresh start. When we take over, if anybody, like every time people move, most witches when we move, go through like a really, most normal people when they move, go through a very heavy cleansing and purification process to sort of renew that space and make it clean for you yourself, even though it's not brand new. So it feels new. Those are some of the things off the top of my head.
3: So I wanted to just clarify when we're talking about purification for some of the seekers who are listening, that we're not necessarily doing it from a position of saying that these energies are wrong or bad and that we have to remove them because of that. We're saying we're moving everything energetically that's not naturally attuned to that item so that we're starting from a a spot of zero and then building upon that. So it has nothing to do with some perceived notion of morality as you get in some other religions who do this. Um, so with that said, I know there are some traditions out there, and by traditions I mean outside of the Wicca who use purification as a method of renouncing the physical world in an attempt to transcend this reality. We don't do that. It's not what we're about. That's not what we're talking about. So um, I just thought I would point that out. Little reminder that we needed to say it bluntly just just hit me
1: i'll add to that that we're looking to start from a net zero and because i want to emphasize this came up when we we're talking in coven today people have this idea that like negative negative for a given value of negative energies are like all around them like waiting for them behind dark corners right like waiting to jump out at them and like Bad spirits and curses are just like lurking, waiting to take over your life in your house. And I think, you know, when you cleanse your house when you move in, for example, or when you cleanse your space before a ritual, it's not to get rid of like the negative energies that are just waiting or have accumulated, you know, somehow in that space, but to get rid of all of like you are setting up the space so that you can put things in it. You're creating your container, but that doesn't mean that what you're getting rid of is good. You're getting rid of everything good, bad, whatever. Um, so we don't have this like purification in Wicca is not about this. What I'm concerned is like a an overemphasis or like a hyper focused sense of like there, there's negative energy or bad spirits. You guys get what I'm talking about? Because I feel like it's everywhere now. And it's like, that's not I don't like we're not saging the shit out of everything because we think people have cursed us.
3: I wouldn't I wouldn't break a curse with sage. I wouldn't try to exercise anything with the sage. You're just going to piss it off and it's just going to come back, assuming you got it to leave in the first place, because there's a bit more to exorcism than just waving an herb at things or smoke. That's not necessarily what we're talking about. It's, you know, it's an energetic discussion. If you want to do spirit work, then do spirit work and there are Herbs and other things that work with that, but no, I completely agree with you. There's there is a lot of overemphasis on oh, it's negative energy, and sure, I guess there's a bit of that. Dude was grumpy at the grocery store; it rubbed a bit off on you. Yeah, wipe it off. But it doesn't take a whole lot to to do that, and just a good spiritual hygiene routine will take care of it.
0: In one fell swoop, James has just negated most of the TikTok videos about. Purification, shots fired.
2: Uh, don't we? We oh don't. talk coming after us now. Come on.
1: Where the fuck uh. has this new idea that if you meditate, you're inviting negative energies into your life come from? I'm very confused about it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm very upset about it, and we don't have to talk about it right now. But it's the most bonkers shit I have ever heard in my entire fucking life. That if you meditate. The most bonkers witchcraft shit, right? Because if you're a Christian and you say it, like, okay, I mean, it's crazy, but on brand. But, like, the fuck? It's the most, like, neutral thing that you can do is exist in yourself. Sounds very...
0: It's off topic. Mm. I
1: know. It's off topic. I'm sorry. But, like, it's been showing up on the communities and it's bonkers.
0: We've talked a lot about why we do this, why we purify, but just exactly how do we go
3: about this so water is a very common method across many cultures and that's whether you're taking spiritual baths and there's lots of ways to do that uh, a spurging that's the sprinkling of water just washing hands and face or just feet or any a whole host of other things water especially flowing water is really good with that said Smoke is commonly be used in the West and Western magic traditions for a long, long time. But I'm not going to talk too much about it because we have an expert. And not that right, Josie? Hmm?
1: What? Where? Josie says. What are you Who? talking about?
3: You and your fire. Why are you just talking about where what? there's smoke? I was, but then I changed to like, well, and fire is also common and then I dimmed you out right under the bus (laughs) when
0: I wasn't listening properly (laughs)
3: correct
0: do you know what I was thinking about I was thinking about that documentary that has um, Stuart and Janet Farrah doing a quote unquote initiation of someone (laughs) and they have him blindfolded (laughs) running through a a stream while blindfolded with his hands tied behind his back and then running through fire (laughs)
2: Oh no. Right in
1: between.
0: It's the, the most torches. bonkers, dangerous looking shit. Yeah. I
1: think anyway, it, that's
0: what I was thinking about.
1: I always think about their documentary where they're just chain smoking. I think Stuart is like chain smoking and going <laughs> misconception. Like <laughs> <laughs> their documentaries are really great.
0: They're wonderful. And after all of this, the blindfold's removed and Stuart's just sitting there smoking a pipe in the nude. And he says, welcome to the craft of the wires. <laughs> Amazing. I need this.
2: They are really good documentaries. I I think one thing that I just want to add is if people are un, uncomfortable with the word like saging and, and like smudging, like the European version of this is called seining, which is it is still purification with smoke but it's it's not necessarily a closed practice ritual. So, yeah, without getting into this whole like smudging, closed, open practice, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, then look into the practice of saning, which is purifying with smoke
1: and smoke cleansing with smoke and purifying with smoke is a very practical thing that has energetic, also works energetically but like this is not people smoking insects out smoking bed beds when beds were like hay to get insects out like that's a very old school thing this is not it's not new it's not novel it's very practical and and it works in multiple regards
3: well the the technology of of using smoke is fairly universal the specific practices might be you know tied to certain culture but Peter, I'm so glad to learn that word, because the the word I learned for European uh, use of smoke and purification is subfumigation, and that yeah. is way longer than yeah, saining.
2: Yeah, s a i n i n g. If you just put it into Google, it'll it'll come up, and it is it is basically just purifying with smoke. And
3: I think I got subfumigation from one of the grimoires. Because, you know, we all read everything.
1: And I don't also, read the grimoires.
3: <laughs> I did.
0: <laughs> Have a look into some of the herbs that are used for saining as well. Um, I know with people who like to quote-unquote smudge, people use white sage and palo santo, these things are problematic for a number of reasons as well as cultural reasons. Um, things like palo santo are being hideously over farmed as well, and, and causing lots of ecological issues, um, and again, cultural issues too. So with seining, um have a look at some of the herbs that were traditionally used, and even some of the herbs that people are using um, in modern times too. There are lots mm-hmm. of options.
3: Right, and, and other local uh, perhaps herbs or customs, I know that pine needles Um, In some local practices to where I am have been used for that purpose.
2: I was just about to say that exact same thing. I was going to say, I know in the past that James has mentioned about going out into your local area, finding herbs and plant material that is local to you, which would probably work better than having something imported that doesn't grow naturally to you
0: again if you live in colonized areas this isn't always super appropriate um Mm. there there are parts of australia where you shouldn't do this so do your research like like with everything i guess
1: yeah conservation Um, is definitely an important part of this thing of of this i think in in addition to being respectful of native and indigenous cultures and also just bearing in mind like what is happening to our climate and our current environments right so think about those things pine is very ubiquitous collecting pine needles and pine resin is a relatively safe practice um in most of the eastern united states i don't really know about the rest of us but in the eastern u.s
0: pine resin itself is very very flammable so if you're making incense just go easy and it doesn't smell very nice often as incense so i don't know experiment outdoors or somewhere well ventilated
1: that isn't very flammable
3: yeah oh, and there's some things like asafoetida and I probably mispronounced that, devil's dung. It smells horrible if you burn it, but it is great for purification.
2: The same thing can be said for whorehound. Have you ever burnt that on its own? Oh, it smells disgusting, but again, good for purification. I think a lot of these foul-smelling herbs and, and foul-smelling resins are used within purification uh, on, like, the sympathetic level. We attract, we like attracts, like, and you know, if it's bad smelling to us, it's probably going to be bad smelling to a spirit as well. So yeah. One of the um, other things I wanted to mention about cleansing physically is with, I think James has already touched upon it is like the ritual baths. If you look at practices like from the key of Solomon, where you have a ritual bath drawn up and then into it, you place herbs such as rosemary, uh, basil, um, vervain, all of these. That's another way of getting ritually cleansed, ritually ready physically for the work that you're about to do. Pro tip, if you don't want to pick bits of tiny herbs out of your hair, put them in a little a little bag, a little drawstring bag. Pro tip.
3: So I, I just wanted to real quick add because Peter reminded me, the song Run, Devil, Run by Paul McCarthy is from a hoodoo formula he bought in Atlanta called Run, Devil, Run that's supposed to chase away the devil because of the herbs and pungentness in them.
1: Nice. In addition to this idea about ritual bathing, I like literal baths, I love a bath. It is like my one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. I do not feel clean after a bath. I've got the OCD pretty bad. Um, And one of those things is about contamination and hygiene. And so when I take a bath, it's really important for me to, I feel like very comfortable and safe, but if I don't shower afterwards, I feel absolutely disgusting. So my solution for ritual baths is I really prefer herb salts. And instead of putting using bath salts, I make scrubs and I use them during my shower and scrub in the shower with herbed and sometimes consecrated blessed or energized salt scrubs, um, for spellcraft or like it's the new moon right now. It'd be like a really good time to do it as we're recording this, um, just purification for like the new moon. So that's a good alternative. If you don't have a bathtub, um, or if you don't like baths, uh, or if it's something that doesn't work for you, you can also use like a salt scrub, even just handfuls of sea salt. Like you don't have to go out and spend a lot of money. Handfuls of sea salt work really nicely as a physical purification.
3: I know I talk a lot about like the local customs here, but I'm really invested in them because they're local. Uh, the baths here aren't immersive. It's a basin and you pour it over yourself so that it does rinse away and you're not sitting in it for the very reasons you you bring up. Um, and you try to collect that water back into the same basin so you can carry it out of your house and throw it away. Um, and you're not supposed to look at where you throw it, and you're supposed to aim it at a tree who will then ground out said energy.
0: Even things like setting aside a specific soap that you just used before ritual. Um, the one I use is called Goddess. It's from Lush, and it's got um, gold glitter in
2: it. I love Lush. I'm going to have to try and find that in our, in, in like... The, the wales the uk lush see if they have it there because it's obviously past solstice now and if there's any of of my coven listening i gave bath bombs that i made to my my coveners and i took the herbs i, I took the essential oils of the herbs from the ritual bath of the key of solomon and put them into homemade bath bombs and i was like yeah if you want to get like you know, lush kind of esque uh, baths before you step into ritual. Don't get in. I made I made one that was like black, and one that was um, white, just like without. I basically added black food colour in, and um, I tried one the other day. I might have added too much actual oil, because whenever I tried to like sit up, I would I would slowly like sink back down into the bath. I was there for for bloody ages trying to get out and then and then i was like oh i've got to wash the bath now because there's poxy oil everywhere so even though they were a nice idea i think next time i'll use less actual oil so yeah ritual bath bombs i i can i can pop the the rest it's a bbc uh, best food recipe and i just added essential oils to it but yeah ritual bath bombs of the art i think i called them <laughs>
0: That's so cool. I'm going off in the chat about how much I'm excited by that. There's so much possibility there. Love it. All right. We've talked about physical cleansing methods. What other ones are there? What other methods are there?
1: Physical cleansing methods will often have the side effect of feeling mentally cleansing and cleansing your energetic body, like your etheric body. So As you're like, you're again, coming back to the idea of showering at night, as you're showering at night, you can also very much visualize that any sort of spiritual gunk that I say in quotation marks and recognizing that we all have different tolerances for the amount of woo is also sort of being cleansed away. Anything that's sort of stuck to you. Like there's a, there's definitely, I feel a piece of like visualization that goes along with this that can work really neatly in sort of getting you like a two or a three for one deal In um, your cleansing and purification practices.
0: So, a lot of that's about purifying the physical body and physical space. What about things like your mental body and your mental well being before ritual? What sorts of things would we do there?
1: I mean, I think that those of us who really struggle, whether because like modernity is really hard and it takes up a lot of our lives or because we have mental health issues or whatever, you know, really need to be conscientious about practices that help us enter ritual space or enter a new day even or enter a new you know, afternoon, whatever, of sort of leaving some of that behind. And so there's a lot of different ways people do that through meditative practices, mindful practices. But I think it is really important that you develop a routine that helps you to release things, let go of things and start with a blank slate. I wanna I want to point out again, I'm not talking about get rid of negative thoughts and only positive thoughts. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying starting from that baseline of neutral, like being hyper-positive and hyper-negative are both problematic. It's important when you enter ritual spaces or new time periods to enter from, I think a neutral space um, to let go of as much as possible.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um as a practitioner with mental health issues, and there are many of us, I do struggle sometimes to come at that point of zero. And I have to really, even now, even nearly 20 years into this malarkey, I still have to stop and really work on coming without baggage and without those worries and find ways to release those things, because it can affect everything. We've talked about egregores before. What you bring in to your coven, to a working circle, affects everything more than you'd like to think.
1: I want to say how much I appreciate when people are able to say, I'm not in the right headspace for ritual. Like I'm here to be with people. I think maybe I'm not going to come into temple or I'm not going to go do ritual. I'm not going to do witchcraft tonight, even though I had been planning on it, whatever. I think that's really responsible. I think it's really good magical and spiritual hygiene to just know I'm having trouble letting go of this for whatever reason. Um, Coming in, I could really, I think, throw off people's whole energetic situation or throw off the whole purpose of this. There's a lot of times I felt like I had to go into ritual or somebody would be mad at me. Um, and And I know that I kind of threw off the ritual because I was in such a bad place. Um, Because I, you know, also, and I do think it takes a lot of practice, and sometimes all the practice in the world, if you can't let go of something, it doesn't mean you're a bad person or that you're not practiced enough. I think sometimes we just can't. So um, I want to acknowledge that that's also a really viable strategy (laughs) is to just be like, you know what, I'm having a lot of trouble, and today's not the day for it to do my spells, to do my, to go into ritual, to whatever.
0: Yeah. In this case, some of the best purification methods can be time and rest, and not doing magic, I'm trying to really consciously ask before I go into ritual now, are we good to go? I'm trying to make a habit of that for
2: everyone. I love that. I think one of the main things that witchcraft and wicca has really taught me is being self-aware of the good stuff and the bad stuff, and recognizing and acknowledging that actually, the bad stuff is is also important to go through as well. And linking to what Josie just said, that takes time, that takes, you know, that means you might have to have some time out of the coven. You might have to go on a sabbatical or maybe miss a couple of circles because sometimes, sometimes people need rest and, and recuperation. I think that's the word, right? R and R, they need R and R, you know, and sometimes that means not going into the circle because you're, because you're self-aware. You know, you have that awareness of self.
1: Yeah, I think that goes back to sort of what we were talking about, you know, before we even got rolling with this episode.
0: All right, what about the energetic body, that other part of ourselves? How would you purify that? And if no one jumps in here, I have a confession to make. Make it. I've been very resistant to certain aspects of ceremonial magic, including the LBRP.
1: Yes!
2: I I knew that was going to come up.
1: How (laughs) absolute dare.
0: I I know. I hated it. I thought it was boring and stupid. I could hear a
2: butt coming.
0: had trouble learning it, but the big hairy butt is... (laughs) Here we go. I think it actually works really well, you guys.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I really, really wish people could see the face that you made while you were admitting that and how your eyes were downturned (laughs) off to a corner looking down like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm saying it. I've
0: spent some time coming to terms with this, and I really hope nobody I know is listening because I've, I've had a lot of things to say. I've had a lot of feelings about the LBRP by uh, which stands for by the way the lesser vanishing ritual pentagram. Uh yeah.
3: If you're a seeker, yeah you might be required to learn the LBRP, so recognize that. But you don't need to go run out right now and do that. There are plenty of other ways to get results in purification of the energy body. The LBRP has specific purposes and it's ritual. Use. An example may be something as simple as petitioning your ancestors or deities or the ritual bath. Or, um, I know a a druid group that used to spend time sitting under trees and basically allowing the circulation of the groves' energies to, to cleanse you. So there's lots of basic and far, by far easier. To learn methods. Um, If you are going to learn the LBRP, learn it in context, which is why I caution people not to go run off and learn it prior to joining a group that does it, because that might not be how they do it. There's enough variations out there.
2: We don't often use um, the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram during our our build-up in circle casting, it's something that I've experimented with on my own, and is something that I definitely want to build into my more personal practice as well, including the Lesser Banishing Ritual of the um, Hexagram as well, which I think is more planetary based. But yeah, it's it's a nice. I think it's a nice ritual. It can be quite involved, but if you're doing it in a in a group set, then I saw that eye roll then. If you're doing it in a group setting, it it has its benefits. It definitely has its benefits. But like James has just said, there are other ways of getting there without having to now go off and watch a bunch of YouTube videos on how to do the Lesser of banishing ritual of the pentagram.
3: And it's not necessarily only for purification. There's lots of things LBRP is used for. So I just want to make that clear. Although we're mentioning in that context currently, it has lots of other uses.
1: It's interesting. I've, I am used to using the LBRP as a tool for um, feeling secure and maybe even a smidge of grounding more than for purification. So that's interesting. I think grounding and centering fits very neatly. You talked about your druids and their groves of trees. Grounding and centering falls very neatly into this idea of spiritual, etheric body cleansing. If you've never had your aura fluffed. And depending on how into the woo-woo you're feeling that day, find a friend, fluff each other's auras. Why not? Could be fun. We used to do it in college all the time and we have stopped some reason. I hope my friends are listening to this like, oh, my God, we did fucking used to do that in college all the time in our pagan club. It was like a big time fun activity doing some aura reading and cleansing. Um it's kind of hysterical yeah anyway so i do think like i do think like if you buy into the concept of an aura it's a really fun sort of like little practice you could do as like also probably worth throwing in the word reiki here just because why not
2: i was gonna mention that there are similar practices in reiki like one of the practices in reiki at least in western stylized reiki is like a reiki shower so just as where you would stand under a regular shower you would see or you would visualize that energy trickling down through your body and washing away any negativity, we're back to that word negativity, um, any stagnant stale energy so that you're kind of fresh as well.
0: My high priestess has said to me on more than one occasion to go stand out in the garden as a means of grounding and centering but also just sort of purification and it's usually when I'm real heightened about something and I'm like, ah, it's not going to help and I go and stand the garden I'm like, fine, and then I'm okay. So even something like that, a bit like James said with the trees, this can all help. And This kind of feeds into the idea of space. We've kind of touched on the idea of space and, and purifying space, but are there any other um, methods here?
1: I don't think that we mentioned brooms, so we may as well. We're
0: bad witches. How would you use a broom to cleanse a space apart from using it to get the cobwebs down out of the corners?
2: So you can use a broom to energetically, but I—I suppose we're back to the energetic style, aren't we? You could use a broom to sweep from east to west energetically to like get again get rid of that energy. But physically, I you—I don't know. You just. You use it on the floor, I suppose. Yeah. I'm
3: going to jump into Southern Conjure again with the broom. You do it, when you sweep, it's from the furthest point from the door. And then sweep everything all at once out the door. There's also a tradition of wiping down the baseboards. Not just for cleanliness, but to kind of cleanse, extra rough the seams between the parts of the house. Where you keep the broom... Keep it by the door. You keep it by the door so that you're not dragging your gunk in. And so it's also when you when you move houses, you don't take your broom with you. It's the last thing you throw out, and it goes in the trash. And it's the first thing you buy at your new house. And so you don't move that with you to your new house. So there's, there's lots of things like that. Yeah, all of it's about space, and a lot of it has to do with the space where you
1: live. I was just going to say, like, I think... Really, when it comes to brooms, it's just always we vacuum temple or, or hoover temple uh, before ritual. But I, I think there's something kind of gratifying about the broom because you see a little bit more, I think, which unless you get that really satisfying clackety clack sound when you've hoovered up something really nice and large, the broom sort of gives you that visual of like, I'm genuinely cleansing the space and picking up this dust and throwing it in the trash. And so I think it's nice if you have a practice or the ability uh, presuming you don't circle on carpet to, to sweep. I mean, just literally sweep. It's not the most effective cleansing mechanism in the world, but it is pretty solid and it has a lot of gratification that sort of goes along with it.
2: So well, I've got two things to say. Number one, I've moved three times and I've always taken my brooms with me. So now I need to go and buy. Yeah. I know I now need to go and buy more brooms because I do have a broom that um that stands that stands upright and let's not get into the yep down kind of thing but it's, it stands in my hallway just in front of my main door um so that's the first thing second thing is I'm gonna now next time that we've finished or just before we start hoovering I'm gonna put like little push pins on the floor so you get that that jump 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 and if there's some mist I'm gonna be like well that's your fault because you didn't over properly. Now you have to go to A and E. Because
1: you how, might get a disease. I love how <laughs> intense of a high priest you are. It's like people <laughs> learn through experience, is what it is.
2: We are an, yeah. an experiential cult small C.
1: Listen. As... <laughs> okay, I'm gonna put this out there. Okay. The best brooms to buy are the brooms that you buy from your local Asian grocery store. Because, first of all, they're made of all natural materials. Second of all, they are one-handed. And because they're one-handed, they are meant to be swept. If you are kind of if you're the kind of person who sweeping hurts your lower back because you have to bend off at that weird ass angle, these are the best brooms for your lower back. and they leave like a kind of smattering of like natural material dust behind that then when you vacuum, you can get up. So um, user tip, friendly tip, go to your local Asian grocery store, buy the brooms that they have there. They are the best brooms.
2: So that's what I'm doing tomorrow.
1: You will, you will not regret it, I guarantee.
3: So we're not going to turn this into a class of the traditional materials to build a broom
2: out of and how to do it?
1: No, James, <laughs> no one has time for that. No
2: Next episode. Next episode. Well, bam.
1: Go to your grocery store. Buy the cinnamon broom that only comes out in the fall. Hang that in your house. Done.
2: I love, I love a cinnamon broom.
1: Okay, which direction do you hang? Bristles down, bristles up.
2: Well, the one the, I say I love cinnamon brooms. I've only had one once and I put it on, I mounted it on the back of the door and it went diagonal. So have that, neither up nor down.
1: <laughs> I learned bristles up to so keep like the good luck in or something. I don't know. I just do it. It sounds good to me. Diagonal yeah, feels I... so Harry Potter.
3: It's not a horseshoe. It doesn't keep things. It...
1: Okay. I will take whatever I can get. Okay, James. Take what you can get.
0: Well, before this kicks off any further, um, ding, ding. Is there, <laughs> are there any other methods or practices here that we haven't mentioned yet?
3: I have a couple of things that I took notes on that I just wanted to 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 go over. So in alchemy, the process of making the sorcerer's stone, and you're talking a metaphorical process. So the metaphorical process of reaching that oneness of becoming part of the godhead etc is done in four levels the black work the white work the green work and then the red work the black work is going through the initiatory process of all the impurities rising to the top and that's why the stone turns black it is a good metaphor for understanding deep spiritual work and it becomes purification because moving from the black work to the white work is learning to uh, transform that impurity so that it burns off and is covered in a white ash. And that's, I I know I'm talking alchemy, but you're talking about the process of taking those parts of yourself that you have to transform through hard, dedicated, initiatory work. And so that part comes from alchemy, but in the poison path, as well as some of the uh, Buddhist work, there's this idea of taking impurities that are inge- energetic, and they refer to it as as poison, so please, please people know that I'm talking metaphorically, and you take them into yourself as opposed to clean them away, and you're using your inner self to transform these things as a purification process but it is, it is a metaphor. And so it's no different than the modern concept of, hey, I'm going to go do shadow work. You're taking this difficult thing and transforming it, but you're not getting rid of it, but it's still a form of purification. It's just a spiritual purification as opposed to just getting the gunk off.
0: All of that said, why exactly does all this relate to this Sabbath, to Candlemas, slash Imbolc or Lammas down here.
3: We just start from zero. And if the flame was born at solstice, as we're moving into Candlemas, and yeah, you have to tend and protect that flame so that it grows, but you also want to pay attention to what's going into said fire, so that when you get that Inferno of the Sun later, it's intentional
1: i was gonna say something like see also celtic fire festivals fire as purification etc um we do fire as purification we we tend to work with hestia around this being like the embodiment of fire so to me um also like at Bulk, a lot of people burn away their last of their yule branches like their last little bits of their yule tree all the yule decorations have to be put away so it's very much like a, a reboot time. We've talked before about how some covens don't initiate between certain times of year. Sometimes that's Yule, sometimes that's in bulk, that this is like the start of spring. Lamas is on the other side of this, obviously. It is also a fire festival. We also have this concept of purification. So it's a good time to sort of have these conversations, I think.
2: Yeah, and for me, this whole idea of, of having initiations at, at Candlemas at, at Imolc, it, it there's a purification that happens when you have that initiation. So for me, linking purification into Imbolg and and also lammas uh, seems seems natural. But that word didn't sound natural that It seems seems natural. It seems fit in. I think that's a better word. Fit in. So,
0: in the lammas ritual I've written this year, I have described this festival as the very first step into a very long walk into winter it doesn't feel at all wintry here at the moment but on the wheel of the year tm this is seen as the first sort of step into autumn on this journey down into the dark often we need to make sacrifices and we need to let things go and this kind of falls into what we've said about purification getting rid of not just the gunk, but sometimes just the stuff that might be holding us back. And this is very on brand for Lammas, I feel.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Lammas in particular being the grain harvest, like the first of the harvests, the first of the sacrifices, um, or the first of like the death harvesty holidays. Um, I think that really comes into play. Earlier, Peter was saying about how you know life is kind of like even the bad stuff in life like we kind of have to go through with is very much a religion of that i think and we hadn't we hadn't talked about this although i had meant to and i forgot but sometimes suffering is do not intentionally go through suffering for purification i do not mean that although i guess maybe if you're into that whatever but we do go through suffering it is unavoidable and often we do come out the other side of that honed in some kind of way like a, black, a smith's blade right we and I think that the harvest festivals remind us of that. These fire festivals are in that same way, cutting things down, getting rid of the chafe, chaff, 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 whatever. Some word. Chaff. And there we go. Chaff.
2: Chaff is what happens between your legs. <laughs> <laughs> On a hot summer's day.
1: So a little bit of both at llamas. Um <laughs> you know but i do i think there's something there that there's a piece of this like burning away cleansing getting rid of so that what you're left behind with is a more a changed and in some ways more pure version of yourself because you've lost some innocence you've lost something and you've come out the other side like with some new understanding and that's tricky business i i don't i've i did know one tradition that intentionally set that purpose up like did witchcraft and spellcraft and ritual craft to intentionally invite those moments of change into their lives to come out the other side of it. That's dodgy. It's not something I would personally do. I have enough problems, but um, I do think there's something to that. And I think Llamas fits really neatly into that on the other side of that purification coin.
2: I just Googled really quickly. Can you make a diamond from coal? Because I was going to say, put coal under pressure and you get a diamond, but actually that's Google's telling me that that's not right. So I'm going to change it to the butterfly analogy. That caterpillar has to go through change, through purification. And out of that comes the butterfly. So what, like, gee, while you're saying, I, I think it's totally correct. Don't, don't put yourself through unnecessary suffering. But after you go through that, after you push, push through that wall, they, it, it is very cathartic. And there is a purification that happens in that process, if not at the end
0: change is hard and change fucking sucks sometimes in and of itself especially when we can't avoid it any other thoughts for this time of year what else would we do at this time of year for purification anything that we haven't already discussed
2: just a general spring clean like and i say spring in air quotes because it does not feel i mean what are we third week of january so imbog is like in a week and a bet or lamas for for you, Joe. Season like a week and a bit. It does not feel spring right now, and but yeah, springtime climate clean cleaning cleaning. I'm nearly at the end of my bottle of wine, just so you all guys know, just so you know, listeners. But springtime clean cleaning <laughs> still have difficulty is something that I at least try and do, if not throughout the whole house, maybe just like the bottom ground first and then working upwards. But yeah cleaning
1: i will also say um if you are lucky or unlucky enough to have snow on the ground snow feels very purifying and clean and sometimes using snow um, instead of water for some purificatory practices can be super effective cold certainly feels like it makes you extra clean because it wakes you the fuck up and i think in that way too like ice and freezing is also a thing that, like, literally it kills germs, right? So, like, it it has then in that sympathetic magic sense a sort of extra efficacy in purification for some of us.
0: Phalamus just, mine's a bit more esoteric, I guess, but just think and leave something behind. If it's heavy, put it down and leave it behind and move on. All right. So that brings us just about to the end of this episode. Today we've talked about purification, different methods, practices for purifying, its relationship to these holidays and other magics for this time. So as a closing thought, we've talked a lot about fire being an early purifier. Um, It's probably also worth remembering that fire is a destroyer here as well and when we purify We need to be measured in what we're doing. We're not necessarily getting rid of all negativity. This is not the only point of purification. We want to start from zero, as James so wisely says. So try to approach your purification as a way of resetting, recalibrating and neutralizing, and try to move away from that language of negative versus positive energy. It's not always helpful to look at things in a binary as we know. And it's something we're trying to move away from as practitioners. So as a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as Circle Talk4Witches. That's four like in the number. Twitter as circle for Witches, or email us at circletalkforwitches at gmail.com. If you've got any questions, queries, or thoughts or ideas for future discussions, please do get in touch. We do love to hear from you. And from all of us here at Circle Talk, merry meet, merry Parts, and merry meet again.